She's a Super Geek is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network. You're listening to episode 68 of She's a Super Geek, the actual play podcast highlighting women as GMs. And hey, I'm Emily, and alongside my co-host Senda today, we are playing the new fantasy flight game, Genesis. It is a new role-playing game compatible with any setting, and it features the acclaimed narrative dice system that you've seen in the Star Wars role-playing game. So if you've listened to any actual play of a Star Wars game, such as the Redemption podcast, you've heard the basics of the system. But we're in a steampunk setting today. We're joined by the incredible Miriam, known as Media underscore Junkie, and one of the writers of the core rulebook, the story manager at Fantasy Flight's games, Katrina Ostrander, to GM us. We're also honored by all of our patrons, this week especially Stoya, Veruth, and Ariel Weiss. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Welcome to She's a Super Geek. It's Emily, and me and my co-host Senda are very excited to play a fresh new game, Genesis, with two amazing people, Kat and Miriam, who are going to introduce themselves now. Miriam, who are you? I'm Miriam. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at media underscore junkie and on facebook at uh the dot media dot junkie uh that took a bit to figure out what those were (laughs) and if i'm not gming and doing game playing and um uh running games uh, you can usually see a lot of knitting and cat related posts do you ever knit cat like little cat plushies (laughs) no but i do knit while i'm playing Kat or Katrina, what do you prefer to go by? <laughs> Kat is fine for the podcast. Um, I'm Katrina Ostrander. I'm the story manager at Fantasy Flight Games. I've worked on the Star Wars role-playing game system. I was one of the writers on the Genesis Core Rulebook, which is what we're going to be playing today. I also contributed to the Steampunk setting, the Sovereigns of Steam Steampunk sample setting in the Genesis Core Rulebook, and Senda asked me if I could come and run some Genesis goodness for her. And I was like, well, well, what genre do you want to play? Because Genesis supports <laughs> different genres. And the answer was, well, we haven't done steampunk before. So that I sounds knew Senda fun. was going to get steampunk on this podcast at <laughs> I was some gonna. point. It was oh going to happen. Oh, my God. If yeah. I made her play D&D, she was going to make me play steampunk. <laughs> <laughs> Parasols. <laughs> So I've done up a little one shot for all of you lovely ladies, and we are going to get started here in just a second. This Sovereigns of Steam one shot starts with a gala at a very special party that Lady Celine is throwing, and the player characters, Emily, Senda, and Miriam, are playing some characters who have been invited to this party. So this is a very festive and exclusive soiree as part of the steel hearth season steel hearth is the not quite london of this steampunk setting so think relatively technologically advanced but everything is steam and and strangeness and mad science and all that other fun stuff you've been invited and you each have some reasons for coming to the party so why don't we think about who is going to show up at the party first 
based off of when you think your character would arrive and in what mode would they arrive. And then also um, describe your character for us, their name and what they look like and, and also what they're doing here. I'd love for you to kind of summarize your character's background and what their motive is as soon as they step foot in this party and, and what, what they're trying to accomplish while they're here. Which of you three do you think would show up the earliest at this party? Not the lady. She's going <laughs> to arrive late and mm-hmm. in the most grandiest <laughs> style possible, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> would my character know that the later you arrive, the more, I guess, important you are? Uh, your character is the ruffian, so I would guess that probably no. That is a knowledge society so I'd probably show up super early. <laughs> Literally, if it says 7 o'clock, I arrive like 6.59. Perfect. Well, you got to get there so all the food's going to be there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Miriam, why don't you go ahead and introduce your character, your uh, archetype, how you appear, and what you start doing as soon as you kind of hit the, the grand entryway. So my character's called Goalie, but I, I've been told that uh, that doesn't sound bosh enough, so I go as Isolde Aurelia Humphreys, and that's what's <laughs> written on my invitation. I think it's a good alias that they've reused several times. And I play the ruffian. I am here to meet Constance Corel or Corelli, who is uh, someone who has the gift and would be very useful to the levelers, which is what I'm part of. And the levelers is all about equalizing the wealth and um, making sure that the gift is not only restricted to the high society and that everyone has a fair chance at making their own fortunes and not be handed to them from birth. I'm looking for her because she came from the squalor and uh, she would be a good fit with the levelers. What does your dress look yes, like? Yes, your borrowed dress. My dress is the most, <laughs> yes. is the frilliest thing that, uh, and it's also like a couple of, one or two seasons out of date, because that's all I could find. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Oh my. <laughs> I think it's relatively bosh enough, but I'm very uncomfortable because I'm used to wearing tight-fitting clothes that allow me to strap as many uh, hidden weapons as possible, and just pants and for some reason that was the only white dye thing they could find kind of walking in it rather stiffly and trying to look like i fit in i'm literally the first guest to arrive not just amongst the three of us but everyone (laughs) yes (laughs) the host isn't even there yet yes (laughs) that makes sense so lady celine has uh not yet come down from the upstairs where the bedrooms are so instead you're greeted by one who introduces himself as Mr. Butler, and he seems to be the butler for this estate. You guys are in, this isn't a country estate, but rather a somewhat more compact estate that's in the upper class district of Steel Hearth. It's not too far from a tube station, but primarily steam carriages are going to be bringing you to and from. You all have chauffeurs, except for you probably, goalie. You probably got here under your own power, but yeah, so Mr. Butler... I walked. Oh, oh, how terrible. (laughs) And I'm already, I hate the heels I'm in already. (laughs) Well, luckily the skirt's big enough that you can take off the heels and nobody will know. 
Yep, and uh, already the the hem of the dress is a little muddied. <laughs> In fact, after a while, I had to pull it up, so I'm literally walking with my uh, everything below my knee showing. Such indecency. <laughs> and at some point, I may have stuffed the skirt between my legs and sort of made like this weird wrestler uh, shorts. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's wrinkled as I straighten it out. Yes. And it's very but obvious it's roughly, that's what I so did. So it's okay. Yeah, yes. but it's obvious I had bunched it up before <laughs> I let it uh, loose. <laughs> and the butler's probably giving me some serious side eye at this point. Oh, yes. He is looking at you quite down the crook of his nose. Not only do you seem to be comporting yourself with an air of awkwardness and casualness, but your, your dress is quite obviously out of season and out of style. And he accepts your calling card and looks at it kind of curiously for a moment, but then simply nods and says, Welcome to Lady Celine's party. She will be down here shortly. You, are, you ha- basically have the, the run of the manor, although it is at least the downstairs, though there aren't very many people here. There's a couple of different rooms that you can see beyond the entrance hall. There's the ballroom, which is what you see immediately in front of the entrance hall. And then there are also other rooms that your character wouldn't know what they are. <laughs> because she, I look uh, for the food. Doesn't have grounding in society. Yeah, so there's a, uh, there's some bu- there's a buffet of <gasps> food. So um, posh, a buffet. Next to the string quartet that is currently tuning up. And the servants, especially the footmen, are currently placing platters and going to and fro. You can kind of guess where the servants' quarters might be based off of where the footmen are entering and exiting the ballroom. Who would come next to, the, to this gala, to this affair? I think I would. All right, Emily, who are you playing? <laughs> I am playing Cordelia Scarborough. She is the investigator. And she is very intellectual, likes to solve crimes and puzzles. But she also is, it looks like, fairly active in the social scene of Steelheart. But the reason I'm at this particular party is my 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 best friend and my flatmate, Dr. Walton, has disappeared. <gasps> yes. And uh, she hasn't yes. returned to the flat in, in several days, which is very unlike her. Dr. Walton has an estranged wife, Dr. Petrova, who is supposed to be here. They had a falling out. You know, there's a reason they're estranged. Uh, Dr. Walton hasn't told me everything, but uh, I'm here to track down the good Dr. Petrova. And find out if she knows anything. As you enter the... Did you come here with a chauffeur? Did you come here through a cab? And like, how do you enter? And approximately how many minutes after the party started do you arrive? I was a little anxious to get to this party because I I am worried about my friend and flatmate. Just She is just my friend and flatmate. <laughs> Despite what people think. 
<laughs> and despite all the shipping. <laughs> despite all the shipping. Yes. <laughs> so I would arrive maybe 15 minutes after the party's supposed to start earlier than I normally would. Some of my charm is that I I apparently don't follow all of the social norms, but because I'm sort of this this brilliant investigator, people just assume that, you know, my mind is working so fast and I can't keep up or I can't, they can't keep up with everything I'm jumping to. And so they sort of let it slide. (laughs) And so I come in thinking Dr. Petrova might be there. I am wearing a dress that is the new quote unquote boyfriend style. (laughs) <laughs> so I have a little top hat fascinator. Oh, oh nice. And so I, I also have not only sort of an ornate corset on, I also have a very beautiful silk ascot around my neck that's sort of tucked into my cleavage. Lovely. And I am also carrying a, I guess if it's the boyfriend style, it is a cane. Mm-hmm. I, I'm carrying sort of a, a more male cane that... You know, as I enter, the audience maybe sees <laughs> a little x-ray vision through and there's a sword inside. And there, I also have a little bag with me tied onto my belt that has some uh, my calling cards and some guilt, but also has some of these little vials of a very strange looking sickly green potion type thing that is the drug I'm addicted to, laudanum which may or may not play into the story. So as you arrive, Mr. Butler is very quick to accept your coat and get you settled in. It's not long thereafter that Lady Celine herself flitters over and, Oh, Cordelia, it's so good to see you again. I'm so glad you could make it. The wonderful surprise. Well, thank you for inviting me, my lady. I... I have been out and about solving many mysteries, and and I am happy to take a night off to spend with you and your lovely guests. Yes, yes, we've read all about them in the paper. What a delight. Must be the most adventuresome life. Indeed, it is, but um, sometimes I, I do weary of it. It is a little isolating, so I am very excited to be here and to talk with all of your guests individually and question them thoroughly. (laughs) well i suppose i i hope that you won't be too rough with lady cordelia um i i have it on good authority that the princess euphemia herself might even be making an appearance this evening so we're all a flutter hoping that she can make it it would be all the rage if she could make an appearance the princess herself yeah well then like i said don't interrogate them too roughly i of course not i ask of you I'm not on a case tonight. Don't worry. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not going to make you make a deception check because Lady Celine is already on to the next guest yes. to welcome. As you walk in, you also see the ballroom. There seems to be, you would notice this because your character kind of laser focuses in on things that are out of place. There seems to be someone who looks very out of place and very uncomfortable helping themselves to all of the food an unseemly amount of food on her plate also there's a lot in that interdimensional boob space where i could stuff it in with the handkerchief (laughs) 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 and you see me do that while you're kind of examining me i'm slipping one in my mouth and one in my corset (laughs) yes so i i see this this, (laughs) i see this person with 
mud on her hem with a wrinkled skirt, eating as if she hasn't seen food in weeks. Single eyebrow raise, and then I move on. <laughs> Beyond the, the ballroom where some other party guests are beginning to gather, there's also the smoking room, which is where one can go to enjoy the company of other card players and cigar connoisseurs and Ooh, other stately things with port and brandy and the like. That sounds like fun. There's also the drawing room that you can go to, which is a, a nice place for some more quiet conversation. It's a little bit away from the string quartet. And so you might find more sophisticated types in the drawing room. There are doors here and there that you would recognize as belonging to the servants' quarters, mm -hmm. but as a guest and someone of high station, you know that you would not be permitted down there unless you were going to reprimand your servant or otherwise have some sort of bizarre need that needs to be dealt with discreetly. I will probably play a couple hands of cards, win some extra money. And then move on to the drawing room. <laughs> and you're you're keeping an eye out for Dr. Petrova all the while? Always, yes. Okay. She doesn't seem to have arrived yet. I don't actually know that much about Dr. Petrova. Dr. Walton hasn't been extremely forthcoming. I mean, when she moved in, she was just sort of separated from Dr. Petrova <laughs> and didn't really want to talk about it. And it's been over a year now, and she still doesn't want to talk about it. And I don't force her to. You think that you'd be able to recognize Dr. Petrova on site because during a time when you were definitely not looking through Dr. Walton's files for reasons related to a case, um, you probably not. would have seen an old picture of them from the Great War when they were both doctors serving on one of the West Sirius airships. I mean, of, of course, I had to thoroughly vet her before she moved in and... <laughs> After she moved in. <laughs> last, but certainly not least. Yes, we just saved the best for last. <laughs> yes, our most distinguished of guests, though perhaps not quite as distinguished as Her Highness the Princess. I am Lady Alison Temperance Castleton, and um, I come from a long lineage of Castletons. I am here tonight, I'm coming to this party tonight, because I am looking for a sponsor so that I can secure my entry to the Collegium Arcana. I have been born with a gift, and I would like to know how to use it. So I've been studying on my own, as a lady can. I would like to find an actual apprenticeship so that I can stay at the top of society and keep my family's name, you know, untarnished. <laughs> The other important thing about securing an apprenticeship and acceptance into the Collegium is, without it, practicing magic in public is possibly illegal, except in cases of self-defense. So you want to be discreet about how you're using your gift until you receive the official sanction and are using your talents in accordance with the Collegium's objectives and mission statement and so on and so forth but i mean yes yes of course <laughs> and, and so gauche to consider just wild magic running right. around <laughs> you're um, not going to spill simply... red wine on the princess is uh, peach dress or anything i mean it's, magically uh, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> why, why would you say such a thing <laughs> so as a uh, as a genesis side note actually there isn't magic by default in the steampunk setting, but one of the cool things about Genesis is that you can mix and match different modular rules 
to your system. So for me, I wanted to include magic in my steampunk setting. It was really easy to do so. I just plugged in the magic rules and here we go. And hopefully later on, if Lady Allison <laughs> decides that magic is required in her endeavors, then we'll give a quick rundown on how magic works. So I have to thank uh, Kevin Lovecraft really quickly, one of our patrons for She's a Super Geek, for giving us the name Allison, which I yoinked off of that list. Lady Allison will not be um, shot by a halfling uh, who works on the docks and uh, thoughtlessly killed early in the story. That's not going to happen. I feel like you're spoiling a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I am obviously going to arrive in uh, my family's steam-powered carriage, which has a chauffeur constructed entirely of um, steam-powered, of course. It has its own legs constructed rather like a spider. So it it crawls along very quickly and it deals with, um, you know, sometimes the vertical leaps and stuff if you're going through less paved areas very well. And and the chauffeur sits up front and keeps his top hat very clean. And of course, my, my... my lady in waiting, or my blah, blah, my ladies, blah, what am I? What help? Ladies okay. maid. She's a ladies maid. She does your hair and puts your clothes yes. on and attends to pretty much anything that you need. She's your personal attendant. So of course I've brought my lady's maid with me. Um, so as we pull up, and I can see that the party is in full swing. It's, it's getting darker, and the lights are glowing and twinkling, and I can hear the sounds of voices inside. So of course my chauffeur hops out, and he's going to um, open the door for me and pull down the step. My my maid is going to hop out first, and he will help her out, and then she will make sure that my dresses all come out with me appropriately and don't get snagged on anything. Because of course I'm wearing um, the latest. We're seeing both brown and some fresh, more spring-like green in season this year <laughs> and it's a very specific look where we're, we're both capturing we're capturing the beauty of of the man-made and the mechanical and the intelligence of man controlling nature and also nature itself and so it's an expression of both the floral and the mechanical and it combines both a very curvaceous corset with appropriate straight lines and then also flowing train um, behind me which my maid will tend to as I attend the party so of course I will now sweep up the stairs and into the main doors (laughs) your lady's maid ensures that you are able to um, make it into the entryway without a single blemish on your hem then she will disappear to the servants quarters where she will await you for the rest of the evening right after she gives mr butler my card for me yes (laughs) so that he may announce me (laughs) yes he takes his cane and he sort of knocks it twice on the ground to call attention to Lady Allison middle name Castleton Temperance Temperance. (laughs) she whispers to him full name please full name Temperance so you're announced and given all due decorum and properness the butler gives you a, a gracious bow as you enter and says ah lady allison lady celine is so glad you could join us i'm so pleased to be here this evening thank you so much lady celine is quickly dumps isn't the right word but she relieves (laughs) herself of her previous conversation in order to attend to uh to you. She's a a good friend of your family's. You've looked out for each other over the years and she seems genuinely happy to see you as she greets you and gives you a continental kiss on both cheeks. Mm -hmm, Of course. Thank you so much for coming, my dear. It's such a pleasure to have you. 
It's always an honor, Celine, always, every time. And this spread is amazing as usual. I hope that my, my humble party can, can satisfy. But now that you are here, perhaps you will be able to bring additional esteem to our guests. It is my pleasure to attend. And my compliments to your chef, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm truly hopeful that the princess herself will be making an appearance tonight. And she kind of goes on about this at length as though it's the highlight of her evening and the biggest honor that she as a hostess could be bestowed. And it definitely inches into humble bragging or... <laughs> Yeah, gloating perhaps, but she <laughs> humble bag. Yep, <laughs> she keeps it within realms of protocol and politeness, and and so on. She lets you go so that she can attend to her next guest in line. But the entirety of the party awaits you. The manor itself has gilded, vaulted ceilings with sparkling chandeliers, with the finest in electric lights, which are very Ooh. exciting and promising. Of course, there's colorful dresses and plumaged hats on all the ladies. All the men folk are dressed in their evening, in their best evening wear, and you can catch whiffs of cigar smoke perfume and roasting meats and pastries, along with the sounds of conversation, women's laughter ringing over, men's cheers of agreement, and of course the string quartet with clicks and clacks of heels on wood as some people do a little dance to some of the music. I will make my way through the party. And of course, I do know many of these people already because when you move, as I do, through the the appropriate social events of the season, then you do get to know the, these these folks. Indeed. You see them again. And, and so I will, you know, greet some people as I walk through, perhaps take a, a drink and a, a very small nibble from Celine's always magnificent spread. Has the ruffian moved on from the buffet at this point, or can she still be found? Uh, I'm still at the buffet, uh, but I'm inching my way towards the entry hall or somewhere close when, so that I can hear when Constance Carilli or Carill um, is announced. And if she's announced between when I've arrived and when the lady has arrived, I literally, whatever's on my plate, like a marshmallow challenge, stuff it entirely in my mouth <laughs> as much as I can. And the rest goes into my corset and I make my way forward to see if I can introduce myself to Constance. But if that happens after, that's basically what I end up doing. All right, Senda, you had uh, made your way over to get the socially acceptable amount of beverage and appetizers. Yes. Yes. I look like a chipmunk. Which is one. Yes. <laughs> there, there, there does appear to be this very uncouth young, young woman here that I am eyeing up very strangely as I daintily nibble. <laughs> and I eat it all in one bite. It's meant to be one bite pastries, but I don't understand why everyone's nibbling on it. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, um, the entire thing in my mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I don't believe I've made your acquaintance at any of our gatherings before, have I? 
mid bite, I just swallow really, really fast. And I'm like trying to say something. And then I wipe my hand on my dress. Oh and my I God. stick my hand out. And I'm like, oh, I'm uh, Isold. Uh, uh, and I actually say it that way. Isold uh, Aurelia Humphreys. Yes, that's my name. And I put my hand out to shake. I uh, touch my fingertips to the top of her hand like very briefly and then snatch it away before she can actually try to shake it. You get some grease on your hand. <laughs> which I use my handkerchief to wipe off very neatly. A pleasure I'm sure you seem perhaps a little out of place. Uh, yes, I'm debuted. Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am debuted. Your character might be saying that too. Is that the word? Yeah, that's, yes. yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, like uh, I know what the word is. I'm purposefully <laughs> uh, me. The player right. knows what the word is, but it's like I, I'm I'm a debutant. That's what I am. Yes, that is completely what I am. Uh, Cordelia will come up, and she has a rather large handkerchief, and she will very discreetly but also kind of not turn Isolde uh, around as she hands it, as she hands the handkerchief to her. And she will uh, say just very quickly, if you want to look like you belong here, go get that mud off the hem of your dress. And so she, she turns around and lets Isolde go (laughs) towards an area where she can do that. And she faces Lady Allison. Hello, Lady Castleton. It's good to see you again. I forgot your name. I'm sorry. Cordelia Cordelia. How did I forget it in that like 30 seconds? Did I steal cutlery while I was also eating? (laughs) I assume, yes. I mean, it's silver, so. (laughs) Yeah. I steal a knife and I actually tear the hem away rather than clean the mud off. You can hear the rip. You, You can hear the rip very loudly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, uh, Lady Lady Castleton, you you will be looking for uh, uh, an, uh, an apprenticeship to the consortium, will you not? I can tell from the way your eyes dart about the room and the way your jewels sparkle that you have been uh, teaching yourself some magic. Are you doctor? Or are you lady? Are you? Um, I think I'm not officially nobility, but I let people call me lady. Mm-hmm. Basically, <laughs> but if they don't, I don't make a big deal about it. I'm trying to think if the honorable would be appropriate. Honorable uh, Cordelia Scarborough, it's uh, it's so lovely to see you here. I'm sorry, there seems to be something very strange happening behind you, and I can't quite tell. Cordelia is moving <laughs> yes. uh, along Blocking. with Allison to block her view. <laughs> yes. She doesn't know what this ruffian is doing here, but she she likes a good deception. <laughs> And when I'm done ripping the hem off, I just stuff it somewhere in like your cleavage. In my cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like sticking out like a bib at this point. <laughs> and I'm trying to arrange it in an artistic style, but it's very obviously my muddied hem. <laughs> and I tie it in a haphazard bow and leave it. We've been reading of you, all your adventures in the papers nearly daily, I would say. It sounds like you've been doing a lot of mystery solving. Indeed, it's interesting when one gets a reputation, uh, people start coming to you for for similar things. You solve one crime, all of a sudden people think that that's what you're around to do. And, well, it's more interesting than most of the things I do, so. 
Well, you are a very informed person around these parts. Perhaps you can direct me to someone who is looking for an apprentice. Ah, yes. Well, that is something that you have to be able to parse rumor from reality. Kat, I'm going to make some stuff up. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I do have some uh, some magisters who are here at the party if you're looking to make up NPCs. Otherwise, go for it. Is there any particular magic users? There's two that you've already caught glimpses of while milling about. Over here in the ballroom is actually Magister Sartu, who is known for her studies in electricity and lightning magic. She currently does not have an apprentice. The rumor has it that her last apprentice was electrocuted and hasn't been seen <laughs> since. Yay. I think you mean disappeared under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> Probably solved that case. <laughs> that sounds good to me. So, so what, was, what actually happened? What actually happened? She actually did get electrocuted. <laughs> but it was foul play. Oh. <laughs> but the official story is, yes, she, she died under mysterious circumstances, most likely a heart defect. Well, electricity <laughs> and heart defects don't get along very well. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's one of the magisters that you've seen milling about. The other is Magistrix on Dive, who is known for her studies on magical beasts, including such things as manticores and griffins and other fantastical creatures that are have mostly been hunted to extinction here on the continent, but can be found um, in rarer and more exotic flavors in the colonies. Um, so she is also lacking for an apprentice. Her previous one graduated with honors and is now tending to the Royal Zoo. Well, Lady Castleton, there's actually two very interesting uh, magic users who are currently apprentice-less, and it very much depends on what kind of magic you would like to study. We have Magister Star 2, who you may know rigged up all of these electrical lights. It's true. I have also read his name in the papers, I believe, that he is at a loss for an apprentice due to an unfortunate accident. Indeed, yes. Dr. Walton did write that up. We, we thought it was a crime, but indeed the poor girl's heart just gave out when a very small electric shock happened. But you, you have no history of heart defects in your family, I, be I believe. But th there is no history of any defect in my family. <laughs> <laughs> With Magister Sartu, you would be in labs experimenting uh, electricity, but Magistrix Undee? Undive, like the plant. Undive. Or Undive, I guess, but it would be uh, French makes it sound so much fancier. Undive. And then there is the interesting Magistrix Undive, who was recently back from the colonies. Her former apprentice is now running the royal zoo so she is the one to go to if you wish to do field work with the beasts and all of the interesting things happening out in the colonies so if you have interest in either one of those fields you have a very open opportunity here well thank you very much for your help with that you're always the person to go to and to know these sorts of things about people you always seem to keep very good track of them that is one of the things i do you never know when knowing something about someone will come in handy. It's interesting to me that there was an Isolde something. I had not ever heard of her before. Um, you seem to have ushered her off rather quickly. <laughs> <laughs>
And um, that's the point where you see me in chipmunk mode, where I've got like three or four things in my mouth stuffed, and I'm trying to chew it really quickly. <laughs> yes, Miss Azold, I am. I am friends with her parents. Uh, you see, she was not uh, born into this society. They are new money, as oh. you know. New money. Yes, indeed. I'm surprised they allowed her here without an escort of some uh, respect, uh, higher and a higher rank who knows what's going on. I suppose they couldn't afford a governess to properly teach her. If you're looking in my direction as as I'm as I'm done fixing my hem, you notice I'm not wearing any shoes. And you can see my petticoat underneath as well. <laughs> so once that gets revealed and if that is noticeable to the general populace, there's going to be a footman headed for your location. <laughs> Too sweet. Are, are you trying to hide this fact, like, by standing really close to the, uh, like, tablecloths by the buffet? Or do you, does your character just not care and not realize that this is a major faux pas? I think I don't know that it's a bad thing. I mean, I noticed that that's there, but um... Unless someone points me to it, I'm just going to be oblivious to the fact that my petticoat's showing and my bare feet are showing. Once that happens, one of the footmen who has been monitoring the buffet and ensuring that none of the platters become empty approaches you and asks, Excuse me, my lady, uh, would you care to come with me for a moment? <laughs> oh. I say... Um, sure what is this about uh i'm and i kind of just do a simple sign like just to see if they're one of the squalors agents or the levelers agents oh okay perfect he's about to begin speaking when you make the sign and then he reveals to you the dash of red which is his handkerchief in his coat pocket, which you recognize to be the sign of a leveler sympathizer. Okay, and I nod and I say, all right, uh, take me, uh, I will follow you. He's essentially bringing you down to the servants' quarters. He explains that her ladyship seems to have had some sort of wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, the footman takes you aside within one of the serving corridors His name is Daniel. He introduces himself and he says, My lady, who who are you really? And and what are you doing here? I am Goli, and I'm here to seek Constance Kareel so that she may help our cause. um, As I know, she's looking for a sponsor and she's one of our own. Has she arrived yet? I mean, I've been waiting at the door listening for all the names, but I've not heard hers. So I thought I'd just uh, be, uh, I just uh, stock up before she arrived. And <laughs> as I pull the as I pull the hem out, a good chunk of food falls out oh, too. Just a moment. And he dashes downstairs and comes back up. He has found essentially a dress coat that you can wear that if you button all the way down, it will hide your petticoat and bare feet. Does it have pockets? Yes. 
Awesome. I stuff all my food and them in the pockets now. And there's a giant sweat drop that forms on the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> truly, if you're looking out for the levelers and Constance can help in any way, please let me know if there's some way that I can assist you. He kind of says in a, in a lower voice. I say, uh, if you can let me know when she arrives, that would be great. He nods and says, he'll make sure that you know. Everyone is, is kind of waiting for potentially her highness to come or these other party goers. After what seems like an interminable amount of waiting and after several bellyfuls of appetizers, eventually Constance is announced and she tentatively makes her first steps into the ballroom and looks around. You can see her just shrinking in place as she realizes, without certainty of cause that you have, that she is face-to-face with a situation that is very uncomfortable for her. But she, she also begins to look around as though she's looking for something or someone. I march up to her and I introduce myself and uh, very discreetly try to work in my sign. So as you introduce yourself, which identity do you offer? The squalors. Okay. Because I'm hoping that'll be a, a good starting kinship, so that hopefully puts her at ease. Mm-hmm. Because I take her discomfort as being like, oh, you don't fit in either sort of a sign. As you introduce yourself as goalie, she, you know, starts blushing and, and starts wringing her hands uh, nervously, and as you make the sign, as you kind of show your own dab of red in your outfit to show that you have leveler sympathies, she turns scarlet on her cheeks, and she says, I, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but I'm, I'm not sure that uh, I, I have an opinion either way on such matters. Of course, uh, perhaps I can convince you otherwise during this uh, lovely feast. She laughs a little uncomfortably, and is this something that we want to be discussing here, or I, I don't know that I can step away from the party just yet. I, I, it's, it's very important that I find myself a sponsor this evening. I may have a sponsor in mind for you, if you give me a moment, but if you'd like to look at your other options, sure. I, I, I do not want to be uh, too aggressive, but I do want to let you know that you have someone who thinks you are worthy regardless of your station. Her eyes kind of widen and, and perk up at that, and she says, Oh, well, that's, that's very interesting. I'd be interested to find out more about that, but I think first that I should probably insinuate myself with some of these other party goers. Understood. I will just be by the buffet if you are looking for me. She nods. At this point, can I sweep in in full skirts? Oh, yes. <laughs> Lady Castleton, there's that Constance girl. She seems to be your main rival for the uh, Magister and Magic Strix this evening. You better make your decision which one you like quickly because I am curious about her and may put in a word with Magister Star too. It's Constance, isn't it? I don't believe we've met. Lady Alison Temperance Cap- Castleton, you may have heard of me. Uh, she stammers. <laughs> yes, yes, I believe the name does ring a bell. How, how pleasant to meet you, my lady. It is a pleasure to meet you as well. I've heard so much about you. I, I, I hear tell, I hear tell. 
could it be that you are also um, perhaps uh, looking for a sponsor for the Collegium Arcana at the moment? I I am looking. It's true. I am also here looking. Um, I feel like I have it on good authority that there are two open apprenticeships at this party this evening. It would mean very much to me if I could help you secure one of those apprenticeships. And of course, then I would secure the other. <laughs> Her eyes go wide and she says, did, uh, did your maid put you up to this? Well, she didn't so much put me up to it, my dears, that I care about her very much. Beatrix has been with me for a very long time. You know, it's very important to me. I appreciate my cousins looking out for me, but sometimes I wish I could do things on my own as well. But no, that isn't to say I would greatly appreciate your help, your ladyship. Of course, my dear. Well, why don't you come this way and avail yourself of the buffet table and perhaps we can find, um, I believe it's Magister Sartu and Magistrix Andive are both here this evening. Perhaps we can go make their acquaintance. She will follow you somewhat like a lost kitten. <laughs> I'm so overwhelming. <laughs> Do yes. I overhear that? Uh, yeah, because I think Allison just kind of swept in, I like, totally right did. before <laughs> okay. you can even say your goodbyes. Uh-huh. Yes. What do I know of the two magisters in relation to my cause? You don't know much about these two in particular because they're not within your social circles, but if you had to guess, neither of them is going to be sympathetic to doing something so uproarious as to accept a unblooded student into the academy because the student of course reflects upon them and their character and there is extreme prejudice on the part of the upper classes toward anyone who comes from the squalor. I know that and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create an atmosphere where everybody's focused on sort of that rivalry and on constants (laughs) so that that's where the focus is and I can track down Dr. Petrova. So I kind of just follow behind and I let it happen because I know for a fact she's not getting those apprenticeships which means (laughs) she's probably going to come to me at some point so I'm just going to see what happens. Perfect, perfect. Oh, I have every confidence she's getting one of those apprenticeships. (laughs) (laughs) Allison will see to it herself. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I may be a little alarmed if I see that it's actually going well. Well, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) And I'm I'm spreading rumors that Lady Allison is trying to... um, (laughs) Is trying to set up Constance for a fall. Oh, no. No! That's totally not true! Oh no. Oh, Potster. <laughs> By the way, is Dr. Petrova here yet? You realize that amidst all this conversation as you're kind of watching the um, Constance entering that the Dr. Petrova seems to have slipped in to the party in the meantime and seems to be speaking with what you would guess would be one of the colonial governors who is here taking a break from their, you know, duties on the Tyrrhenian Isles and the colonies. Yes, the colonies are exhausting. Yes, far off in one of the corners of the um, ballroom, kind of close to the drawing room. She's talking to this colonial governor, and we kind of see from her point of view 
Allison and Constance talking with the two magic users. We see Goalie hovering around. There is Cordelia seemingly doing something else. And then she looks back to the governor and she looks back and Cordelia is a great deal closer, but hasn't actually moved. <laughs> and eventually she turns around and Cordelia is right behind her. Like that cat... Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Every time the camera looks away, it just gets closer. And <laughs> yes. Are you a weeping cat? <laughs> <laughs> I can only move when Dr. Petrov is not looking. <laughs> are you trying to sneak up on them in order to eavesdrop potentially? Or are you making your presence very loud and known? Ooh, I want to eavesdrop because I bet I need to make rolls for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at the uh, 52 minutes into our session, we'll have our first die roll. <laughs> it's which a party. Is how I like it. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and make you have take a skill, a stealth check. So the way that we're going to form our dice pool in the Genesis system is you're going to look at your characteristic and for stealth... That is... I don't have any ranks in stealth. Okay, so it's going to be based (laughs) off of your agility. So take a look at your characteristics, and how many ranks in agility do you have? Two. Two, okay. So you're going to gather up two ability dice, or green dice, and if you had any skills in this, you would be upgrading those ability dice into yellow proficiency dice, which is just swapping one out for the other. Unfortunately, you don't have any to contribute. Nope. In this case, what I want to do is I'm not setting it against a difficulty. I'm going to have you do a simple skill check because I want to see how many successes you generate. The more successes you generate, the longer you're able to eavesdrop before you are Ah, discovered. So I'm just rolling the two green. Yep. So go ahead and roll two green dice and then tell me what you get. As far as the symbols go, the starbursts or the explosions are your success symbols. And on the Genesis dice, they kind of look like A's or diamonds, sort of, are the advantages. I got a full two advantages. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Dr. Petrova pretty much notices you immediately upon your approach. And so... She is able to shift the conversation to something um, you can only imagine is a cover for what she was actually discussing with the colonial governor, because obviously they would not be talking about the weather otherwise. And she is going on and on at length about the monsoon season and what that means for the crop and, and so on and so forth. And obviously, that's not super important to whatever else is going on, at least not to her alchemical worrisome studies and, and medicine and so forth. But with your advantage, so advantage can be spent to get like cool bonus side effects or to recover strain, which we haven't taken any of so far in the session. Do you, Emily, have any ideas for how you'd like to spend those advantages, some sort of cool thing that you notice or have happened besides from being able to eavesdrop? Maybe I hear one suspicious word and I can also tell uh, Dr. Petrova went somewhere before she came here. I can figure out where. Yeah, you're able to catch the word shipment before the conversation abruptly shifts gears. But one thing that you do notice on her outfit, because she's wearing more of like an evening frock with a tailed coat and, and she's got more of a masculine outfit on. 
there are some pieces of hay that you recognize as being packing hay for crates, like such as you would find in a warehouse district, which immediately points your mind to the squalor. Dr. Petrova notices you, turns around, and exclaims politely, Ah, the Honorable Cordelia Scarborough. How lovely to see you here. Oh, hello, Dr. Petrova. I I cannot, uh, I, I, I believe we have not made an acquaintanceship before. Um, however, I have heard wonderful things about you and your work, and I just felt the need to come over and introduce myself properly. Oh dear, you flatter me so. I am but a simple doctor. Um, it is, it is quite nice to make your acquaintance. I've, I've read about your investigations in the papers. They sound rather intriguing. Oh, well, uh, Dr. Walton certainly has a way with flattering words that make things sound perhaps more interesting than they were. And I'm watching her very carefully to see if she has a reaction to the, to Dr. Walton's name. Let's go ahead and make a perception check for that. So we're going to take a look at your cutting characteristic and compare it to your perception skill. Which one of those numbers is higher? Cunning is at four. Perception is at two. Okay, so you're going to start with the four ability dice, and then you're going to upgrade it twice for your skills and perception. So two greens, two yellows. And the difficulty on this, um, difficulty is represented with the difficulty dice. I'm going to say that this is hard. So three difficulty dice. And I'm trying to see if we should add any boost dice for the situation, or if any setback dice apply. I don't think that there's anything that makes this particularly easy or hard unless you can think mm. of something. No, I, I can't. Okay, go ahead and give me a perception check then. Oh! I got four successes and a single advantage. Nice. <laughs> Impressive. You're able to see there is the faintest hint of a smile. A smirk, in fact. As you mentioned Dr. Walton's name, with that advantage, you can also tell, like, suddenly she has an air of confidence, like she has outwitted you, and you don't even, and she suspects you don't even realize it yet, but she definitely has a feeling of confidence and certainty about her as she lets her mask slip for a second and you see that smirk on her face. We hope you enjoyed listening to episode 68 of She's a Super Geek. If you like what you heard, you can find out more at sasgeek.com or find us on Twitter at sasgeekpodcast. If you'd like to support us, check out patreon.com sasgeek. Genesis from Fantasy Flight Games is available for purchase now. Make the geek on your holiday list, whether that is you or someone you love, very happy by buying them Genesis. We'll be back next week so you can hear the second part of this wonderful Genesis adventure. My dear faces.